Hello and welcome. My name's Karen O'Connor and this is Things That Make You Go Hmm. This is your podcast to help you make the most of the wisdom and experience that comes with getting that little bit older. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to today's episode. I'm here with my favourite co-host, Ryan. Hi. Today we're going to talk about a topic that we touched on a few weeks ago and realised that it was there was so much that needed to be said that we just cut it off and thought we'd do at least one, possibly two, maybe more episodes on this. And the topic is gender. And I'm coming at this from a space of, in my world, I'm really quite open-minded. Um, however, I don't understand all the different terminology about gender fluidity. And I think that I've got sexual identity, but then I might not have. And as we were talking about this the other week, I realized that I know nothing. And that as a middle-aged woman, hate to say that, let's just speak the facts as they are. I really want to know, I really want to, I like to understand things. So we need to talk about this because I just think it's something that needs unwrapping and demystifying and explaining and all the rest of it. And Ryan is just about to do that. Hi. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think we got onto it because the gender thing is a big whole debate at the moment. And there's two very distinct sides. One is what I would term a socially liberal side. And then there's, on the other hand, a, a more conservative side, which is problematic in a lot of ways because it's only one issue but it has divided people mm. like, so thoroughly that it's it's muddied the waters on what it means to be a social liberal versus social conservative these days which is problematic but I happily know a fair amount of it because not only am I a young person but I'm Gen Z but also theatre has long been a shelter for the marginalized long has been like that so i've been in contact for a long time with people who are queer or on the gender spectrum as they say so and it's it pains me when you go online and you see a lot of these debates and just how much misinformation is out there and misunderstandings and how little communication is actually happening because it's it's actually a lot more simple than i think a lot of people make it out to be but because it's seen as attack an attack on the normal ordering of the way people are it's considered to be this kind of really that's where we need to start because although the accepted nuclear family is man woman kids that's the societal norm and I'm yeah. putting that in inverted commas because I'm also not of one not really in that mindset but then I think of the alternative is gay people yeah lesbians and you got gay guys. Then we came out with transsexuals or cross-dressers. And then I kind of lost it <laughs> beyond that. And I'm completely lost. So yeah. when we talk about sexual identity, that is the basis for me. Are you straight or are you gay? Or do you like becoming the other gender? That is as complex as it gets for me. And beyond that, yeah. I haven't got a clue. And that's... Not an uncommon. That's not at all uncommon. I know. <laughs> because, for instance, I've been reading a book about evolutionary biology in terms of humans. And it's a very interesting book. 
But it talks about how certain things have developed over time in order to allow us to function well as a society. And when you've got a community, a village of say 200 people, man and woman will do. That's fine because you're an individually. Like the main kind of basic understanding is all you really need. And then you can talk about individuals as individuals. However, the last 20 years with the evolution of the internet has changed a bunch of things and we need to evolve more of a concept of individuality. I, was, I had a chat with someone else about this particular conversation. I won't drop names because it filled me with an inarticulate rage because their kind of stance on it was if I'm polite to someone, even if I don't understand or agree with them and I think they're weird, but if I'm polite to them, then why does it really matter? And this is, it's, that's morally neutral. That's fine. He seemed to think that it was morally good. I'm going to, I'm going to put forward. That's like the absolute minimum that you can do with another human being is be polite because being polite isn't necessarily being nice. It just means that you want to avoid a fight with them. So I would encourage you all of like listeners and you to learn as much as you can about these other types of people. And I applaud you're wanting to hear more about it because it is a groundbreaking approach to it. And I think it only has come about now because of the social changes that have taken place because of the internet. A lot of changes that people don't like. So I see a lot about how young people are fragile. They need safe spaces. They need trigger warnings. They have gender spectrums. They have blah, 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 blah. All of which is just a reaction to a new kind of evolutionary environment. Uh, an environment in which everyone is connected to everyone else on the entire planet. And when you've got nearly 8 billion people now, you need a new kind of set of words in order to understand the queer community, gays, lesbians, and all the kind, because there's a spectrum of sexuality as well, which I think we can come back to later because the concept of spectrums, I think is where a lot of people lose the plot. We are analytical as a species. We like our boxes. You are this, and then you are this, and then Maybe we'll add another. So for instance, gay and lesbian uh, versus straight. You are gay or you are straight. There are two boxes. And then we were like, okay, but some are attracted to two genders. We'll make another box and we'll call that a bisexual. And then we're like, okay, but what if someone's attracted to a transsexual person? Does that affect that? Do we need another box for that? Or what if you're attracted to all the genders and none of the genders and genders in between? Do we need more boxes? How many boxes are you going to have? You can see that the problem we're getting here because the more you try to divide the world into boxes, if your basic assumption is wrong, if your basic assumption is that there's two categories, everything outside of that normal is statistically irrelevant, then you can function. But in a world with 8 billion people now, what was once statistically irrelevant is no longer that. And it's growing with the ability to communicate with the rest of the world. Suddenly people are finding that they aren't alone in how they feel that they do need extra words in order to communicate precisely who they are to other people. It's kind of, can I just, yeah, it's kind of like the difference because we do, as human beings, we like clarity and certainty. We want to know this is the what. Until recently, there was straight people and there were gay people. That was it. And then bisexual people came along. The bisexual people came along. But the idea of a spectrum takes the certainty away. Yeah, it does. But um, also, know... in- taking what you said about the internet and 8 billion people, that actually 
gives people choices that they weren't aware they had before. I think that's the key point here. All of a sudden, they get to choose. So it's like the difference between going into a restaurant and you've got the seven items on the menu that you can choose from mm. or getting onto menu log and you've got 200 restaurants all with 50 items each. <laughs> and big difference. Yeah, there's a lot. And before we go any further, I will say, because I will get yelled at, by my friends if they listen to this and I don't mention this that I do say that now it has it has evolved as a response to the internet I think the commonplaceness of it is a response to the internet but there are examples of gender fluidity transsexual multi-gender kind of people they go back thousands of years the ancient Greeks alone have dozens of examples I, yeah they do and I don't think that's what either of us was saying I think that what the internet allows is more people to understand that they have a choice not that the yes. internet itself gives them a choice it's just that there's more information out there that allows people to go oh my goodness I relate to that yeah. it's that kind of thing because it's what we would or what we would call aberrations were commonplace in Greece and Rome and certain other cultures. It's just not in ours, which has a lot to do with the Catholic Church. I think that's a good point. The Greek mythology, which I'll we'll use as an example of their kind of their ethos, their way of living, uh, celebrated abnormalities. You can tell by their gods. <laughs> they really like it when people are strange and weird. And so that's why I think that was celebrated more. And that has kind of conformity became more celebrated so why don't we go back to the terms and the basic understanding because you, you might you, we might have listeners being like there are two genders there's man and there's woman and then you get a statistically irrelevant and not i'm not saying like morally irrelevant but statistically irrelevant number of people who are genetic abnormalities oh um, can i just say here you've actually brought up a good point this mm. is not about morality this is not a conversation about morality. This is just a conversation about understanding all the terminology and the thinking behind what's going on with gender identity and sexuality and everything now. It's nothing to do with morals. No, it's not. This isn't to say that this is good or bad. Obviously, I have my opinions and you have your opinions, but this is just about what's yep. right now in the world. And it will evolve, listener. It will change. Learning about people and how they exist, I think, was a lot simpler when you knew the people you were seeing every day. But we are adapting as a species faster than we've ever had to adapt before to a hyper-normal situation. So these facts in five or ten years' time will almost certainly be out of date. But I think it's a good step to understanding where things are right now. So we'll begin from the basics, huh? Biological sex. Can't argue with that. There's men and there's women and there's an insignificant fraction between those because it's decided by genetics. There are hormonal differences between them, but biologically in terms of the structure, those are the two divisions. That's your sex. That is man, male, we'll use male. There's male and female and between. Statistically irrelevant, but I'm going to bring it up here because if I didn't, it wouldn't be the full truth. The main issue the basic misunderstanding, I think we were talking about it the other day, is the difference between the word sex and gender. For many of us growing up, and I say us, but it wasn't me, they were interchangeable. Your gender was your sex. 
I, my gender is a male. I'm a man. I was born a man. I live as a man. That's my gender and my sex. Easy, very easy to remember. But nowadays, gender means something much more behavioral than structural. It's not necessarily about the chemical and physical differences between people. Now, I say that not necessarily because psychology as a medicine is very young. There is evidence to suggest this and there is evidence to suggest that. We're not going to talk about those differences because they're really complicated and they're certainly not studied nearly well enough for us to have any concept of what certainty is. But we'll just talk in terms of what so. This is how we're classifying gender. Is as a behavioral. This is how I identify and want other people to treat me. That's what we use the term gender for in this discussion. Yep, yep, no, that's good. So gender's the psychological, sociological thing and sex. It's the physiological thing, yeah. So, yeah, so we'll use me as the example. I was born male. Male is my sex. I am a man. Man is my gender. It's a happy coincidence, and it makes things really easy that those two things line up. <laughs> that's our, but that's our familiarity. That's our familiar yeah. place. Yeah. And it was, it's quite fun to have this discussion with yourself, reader, listener, not reader. We're not writing this down. Because I'm exposed to a lot of people who are marginalized, who are a part of this debate, who said, I was raised as this sex, but I actually identify as this gender. And then you could take a good long look at yourself. And you say, you know what? I've always said that I'm a man. And that's still true. I'm still a man. I'm very secure in that. There is no question about that. I'm very happy being a man. Maybe because my quality of life is significantly better than being a woman. Sorry about that. It's not really my fault, but I'm benefiting from it. I'm just going to put that one out there as well. We'll get back to the reasons why this is coming up as well, because I think they're really interesting. And it's just my opinions as well, but it's part of this whole thing. So anyway, those are the two differences. Structural versus behavioral. Any questions? Because I don't want a lecture. I don't want this to be a kind of a boring lecture. So I'm very happy to have questions about this. And I could talk continuously for several hours and we don't want that to happen. <laughs> I'll interrupt you, dude. That's okay. I <laughs> see, I'm still a little bit caught and probably so is everybody else. I'm like, I have to process the difference between gender and sex. I have to process cool. that. I don't um, want to go too fast because I know a lot of these things for me are an assumption now. And yeah. I know if I move too fast, it's not going to sink in. Why don't we do some examples? Right. So, for instance, we are familiar with the term transsexual. Right. Let's introduce a new term, cissexual. Right. So the prefixes trans and cis come from Latin. Cis means one side. Trans means to the other side, basically. So either you stay where you are or you move. So a cissexual person is someone who remains the same sex their entire life, which is why we don't use the word. There's no point. Basically, that you don't need a separate word for that. It's just assuming something's the same. But it's important to know that's the term because it's going to come up later. So if we got cissexual people, for instance, uh, uh, it's a personal question, but I think both of us are cissexual. We've mm. remained the same physical sex that we always have. But you have transsexual people. You'll be familiar with the term. It's been around for a while now, where you change your physical sex. It involves surgery. It involves hormonal treatments, it involves a whole bunch of stuff. And not least of the things that it involves is on top of all of those physical changes, 
a lot of behavioral changes as well, because you do need to change. So let's use that as a kind of a concept, because we're going to introduce two more words now. Cisgender and transgender. Cisgender means that your gender in relation to your sex hasn't changed since the moment that you were born. When you popped out of your mother and the doctors were like, yes, he has a penis, he's a man. He, that's going to decide how he dresses for the rest of his life. And then everyone else is like, yep, that's great. He's a man and he remains a man for the rest of his life. He is cisgender. He has not changed. It's remained the same. Transgender, I think for many of the listeners will mean transsexual. So if you imagine the transsexual we were talking about, they were born, for instance, as a man, and then they undergo the hormonal treatments, the physical changes, and they become a woman. That's transsexual. But if without the surgery, without the hormonal changes, which are drastic, if she just adjusts her behavior and the way that she presents, the way that she dresses, the way that she wears her hair, the way that she wears makeup, for instance, if she does that, is she a transsexual? Because the answer is no. But for the purposes of society, because a lot of that is just, let's be honest, your gender and your sexuality are nobody's business unless you want to get them in the same bedroom as you and your doctor. You should tell your doctor. But for a long time, those two kind of concepts were interchangeable. But you can see the major difference here. One of them is a massive physiological change that involves surgery and hormonal stuff and or a whole bunch of traumatic physical problems. And the other one is behavioral. For the purposes of a society that doesn't know the difference, they can mean the same thing. They are interchangeable, but it's not the same. Because if you meet someone who is transsexual, their experience is going to be very different from someone who's transgendered. And so that's the first of the basic assumptions. So trans, transgender is what we would traditionally say as cross-dressing or drag queens, drag kings? Well, yes, I will say that. Yes, I might get in trouble for it because they've evolved their own culture, which again is, is really interesting from a cultural perspective, but makes this a little bit harder. If a person presents all the time as a different gender, they are transgender. So let's assume these drag personas are not just a character that they put on and off on a stage, but that's how they, as a person, want to be viewed then we'll go transgender. So let's assume these changes are complete for the time being. We can come back to that later. That's a, that's a very good point. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm just thinking, like, the obvious <laughs> one is RuPaul. He appears as a man and he appears as a woman. Physically, physiolog physiologically, he's a man. So why don't we add, that's a great point, and why don't we add a shortcut? And the shortcut is a pronoun. If RuPaul was transgender he would want to be called she all the time and all the t theoretically because again now that it's becoming more and more of a spectrum it's not necessarily attached to pronoun that was the last iteration it's become it's coming forwards now but i think that's an important distinction to know i don't personally know much about rupaul so i might be wrong about this but i believe that the drag persona that he has is just a, a like a character because the drag has evolved as its own kind of method of performance where once it was the only outlet for a transgender community, because that was the only way that it was going to be accepted. Which is interesting because we, as a country, Australia, have a very long and colourful history of drag, 
we are celebrated drag performers throughout the rest of the world. And I find that just so fascinating for a country that historically is not very accepting of outliers. <laughs> I find that so interesting. So yes, does that help? Does that? What terminology would you put on that then? It's drag culture is its own thing. I would right. say a drag persona is a drag persona. A transgender person can use a drag persona as their outlet. Mm. If because that's the thing, you still have to accept that in this in your assumptions that a person who is transgender, if they walk out on the street and they are biologically a man and they dress as a woman, they're going to be hella bullied to use the terms the kids use these days. They're not going to have a good time of it. There are certain spaces that people would be more understanding at. For instance, gay drag bars. <laughs> but overall, if you go into a business meeting, as a woman, if you walk into a business meeting and you dress as a man does, you know, not in a feminine suit, but in a masculine suit, and you wear masculine shoes and you, you have a masculine haircut, there's going to be whispers pointing and all those kinds of things. I think that's why drag has been and is still an outlet for a transgender kind of person. It's one of the few culturally acceptable ways in which you won't be questioned people will still do it but overall like the majority majority cultural kind of concepts up that's fine you're allowed to do that which is why acting and theater is such a safe space we are very comfortable with the concept of changing whoever you want to be at the drop of a hat we're allowed to do that <laughs> i've dressed as any number of genders and I enjoyed every moment of it. It hasn't affected how I feel as a person, but it has been a lot of fun. But it's a good method of exploring who you want to present as, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how you as a person want to be interacted with by others. That's the gender kind of concept. It has a lot to do with how you feel. So there is the concept of dysphoria, which is a chemical issue. The dysphoria issue comes from when you internally expect to be a sex that you aren't. It affects very heavily the transsexual community before surgery. And it's, it's quite a large part of the transgender community as well. It's grown beyond perhaps what I think we would expect of hormonal changes. But again, the studies are incomplete. I can't say that for certain. I don't know. We haven't got a complete map of what it means to track these things because neuroplasticity means that everyone's brain is individual and we haven't gotten around that problem yet so we're just going to have to make assumptions but we also don't understand hormones either and hormones have to play a part in this because different hormones elicit different reactions within our brains as well so yeah. it might not be a major thing but it does have an impact and we don't even know does. why women's hormones do what they do they're still no. counted as aberrations as opposed to trying to understand them and figuring out what's going to happen when this happens or we just don't know. We don't know. I think a good way that's the hormonal stuff is very true, but because we can't track it, I'm personally unwilling to go into the function of that because men have testosterone and androzones and women have. Thank you, Zillion things. Yeah, they got three of them, haven't they? The estrogen. estrogen. God, that was the first one. Progesterone and progesterone and another one. I can't remember. I was reading about them like the other day and I've just drawn a complete blank. It'll come to me later. Anyway, so those are the male and the female kind of sexual you know, hormones. 
or hormones. Yeah. Yes. But they are sexual hormones. Yes, they are. Can you track gender through those? I don't I don't know. I don't think you well, can. Well, but this is a fascinating thing because I'm just <laughs> reading a book by Alan Pease. He wrote the original Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Yes. And about 12 months ago, he brought out this new book. What is it called? Venus on Fire, Mars on Ice. And I thought it was about menopause, Venus on Fire. It's not. It's actually about the hormones and the difference that the hormones make in men's and women's brains and the resulting behavior from those hormones. So when women have long-term stress, the example he points out is when a woman's got kids and she also works full-time. And prolonged that prolonged stress where she's expected to achieve and produce certain things causes too much testosterone in her brain. And one of the behaviors that results in that, and you'll be able to see this in me, is that women want to retreat to a mind cave. So I used to go, I'm going in the bath, leave me alone. Mm. So when women and women naturally, that isn't their natural behavior. So when there's too much testosterone, we start behaving like men do. And I've just realized I've thrown this curveball in there. And this is not on topic, really, but it is in what it's, you're talking about with the gender thing, even with the sexual thing. It is when the woman has too much testosterone, the studies show that the man's testosterone tends to drop and they swap roles. The man becomes more talkative and the woman retreats into the man cave or the woman cave. It's really fascinating. So that was why I was saying that was where this curveball about hormonal differences came from because I'm in the middle of that book and I just find it really interesting. Yeah, that's a really, that's a good point because all of the hormones I think everyone assumes that it's boxes. You've got a nice little box. Men have testosterone, women have estrogen. That is not the case, listeners. We all have all of these things in various amounts. And another dozen other hormones as well that affect mood, that affect muscular use, skeletal growth, use of the various organs. We are so complicated. Mm. And because of the way that we have developed cognitively we each are all are different we have that neuroplasticity so we can't measure one person's brain against another person's brain and expect to come up with the same result we can't which is why this becomes so much more complicated our basic assumption is that the world can be sorted into two boxes and that's not the case that's not the case at all people can choose to act in a particular way and for a very long time it was much much easier for them to act in the gender that corresponded with their sex, mm. regardless of whether or not that's how that. You'll notice that there's all sorts of ways of recording that. Hysteria, for instance, has been around for such a long time. And men being effeminate has always, I think, been classed as them being a little bit fruity. And in the last 100 years or so, we assume that they're gay. Is that another way of presenting a transgender issue over the ages? And I will say that's statistically speaking the majority of the population is not going to be affected by this the majority will be what their designated sex was at birth you will identify as you will be cisgendered you'll be cissexual that's fine that's great but i live in a city with a population of three four hundred thousand you live in a city with a population of seven hundred eight hundred thousand if i think correctly 
if you assume that 4% of the population, which is a low guess, of that is a part of this gender spectrum, how many thousands in your city alone do you have? That's why this is becoming an issue. Once upon a time, you lived in a community of 200. Of those, maybe 10 were a little bit kind of pretty. They were a bit different. They, had the, they were individuals. That's just, you know, say Peter, who likes to go off in the middle of the night and dress up as a woman and dance around standing stones. We didn't need those words, but we do now because of these kinds of issues. And the communication that has arisen over the last 20, 30 years has only spared this development. So I did want to put that out there because the hormonal changes are an interesting point because they bridge that gap between what's physical and what's behavioral. There is definitely hormonal interaction. We just don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. And like when you think about it because of, and this has just occurred to me as you were talking then, because of the differences in life now as young people are being raised they don't have that black and white clarity you're a man you're a woman and there's the odd one over there who likes to dress up a bit he's a bit of a fop bit of a dandy dandy's a good one isn't it fruit i was like i don't know what what word they would have used dandy Dandy. he's (laughs) foppish he's a bit of a fop but it's so there was that but now there's different stresses in our world to what there were what there was a hundred years ago Mm. and the hormonal if stresses impact our hormones as an adult they're also going to impact us as younger people I don't know I wonder what impact that has that'd be a really good PhD study there's so much to study about this and quickly I had another thought while you were talking and another way of kind of that other people who haven't been exposed to this before might have thought about this is that a lot of people are crazy. They're just crazy. They're weirdos. They are just out of there. Psychologically speaking, right, in the terms of studying psychology, a person has a mental illness if they cannot function normally within society, right? If you can get up, go to the shops, operate a job, talk to people, you don't have a mental illness. If if it affects your ability to function, doing all the required looking after yourself and others, then that becomes an issue. But if you can do it, if you can do it normally, you don't have a mental illness. So a lot of the time people said people were crazy if they dressed up as a woman all the time. There are a number of kings and queens who very much enjoyed the freedom that goes with that position to, to do whatever the hell they wanted. We are now more free than we have ever been as a population, as a species. So I don't think it's any surprise that this should come up more often. Whereas once upon a time, a peasant who did this, they were just crazy. They were crazy, they were cuckoo. But the wealthy people were eccentric. Yep, they were eccentric. They could do, it's just a mad Lord Dandy, whatever his name was. He just, he's just like, he's a bit, he's a bit crazy. And then the peasants would say, oh, if he was down here with us, he'd never get that, he'd never get away with that stuff. What I'd do, give him a spanking, that kind of stuff. What I would do to iron out those abnormalities, because we don't accept them down here. I think that's another way if you've ever put the people who weren't normal into the box of crazy, that box is opening up. That's where all this is coming from. Once upon a time, we would all have been crazy. Everyone on any kind of spectrum would have been crazy. Theatre was filled with the crazies. Absolutely filled with them. <laughs> it still is filled with the crazies, isn't it? Look at circuses. We are. It's true. We're a little bit crazy. A little bit bad. 
but I think that's required in this particular industry. Using any of the arts, and that's what that's what pushes the arts forward. Is that yeah? That you need to think outside the box in order to do that. Lightly mental to, kind of. Yeah. So we embrace that and push ourselves towards it. Fun. <laughs> yes. Why don't we go into the spectrum? Because so far, all we've really gone is there's the two binaries of sex and gender. So you've got transsexual. How do you spell cissexual? C-I-S. It is C-I-S, okay. I have to picture words, and I'm like, I'm not sure how to picture that one. C-I-S, sexual, and trans. I don't need to spell that. The sex you're born with versus changing that sex. Cisgender, C-I-S, gender. You don't need me to spell that. You got that one too. You change the, uh, no, your, your gender is the same as associated with the sex that you were born with. For a male, that's a man. That doesn't change. Transgender, you change the gender. A lot of the time, transsexual people are also transgender. It's not necessary, though. If you think about it, you could go through all of the, you know, physiological changes and the surgery and the hormone stuff, and then still present to the world as the gender that you were originally. So you, that would be quite be. tricky because of the hormones. You're given hormones. Right. Yeah. Yes, you could. You could. <laughs> While we're exploring these possibilities, that is because we've got a square now. We've got four boxes. So now we're exploring these possibilities and we're going to get into the spectrum now because now we're going to introduce the term of gender fluid, which is the natural next step when you think about it. Because sometimes you'll wake up in the morning and you'll be like, you know what? I feel like a bit of a mad Lord Dandy. I want to dress up in a dress. And prance around in high heels and have a good time. Or I need to get my children at the house by 7.30. So I'm going to turn into an army general. Yeah. Why? <laughs> As you well know. <laughs> it serves a function. So gender fluidity means that you will choose at a given moment or a given day. Because let's be honest, a given moment is the far end of that spectrum. Gender fluidity could be like you change over the course of a couple of years or you change over the course of a day. It's anywhere in between. Changing at the, in the moment isn't really, you can. It just requires a lot of effort. Uh, it's not very practical. So It's called acting, isn't it? I guess. I, that's, we'll get into that one later. We'll get into that one later. Don't jump okay. ahead of yourself. It's still trying right. to explain gender fluidity. Sexual fluidity is not viable. No. Sorry, that's not a thing. If you, if we were shapeshifters, it would be much more common. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> so you could, at any given moment, change your biological physicality, and you could present as a woman or as a man. That would be sexual fluidity. Yeah, gender fluidity is much easier to manage for that reason. Anyone who's ever wanted to be a shapeshifter, because sometimes you just want to be a girl understands you can just dress up as a girl it takes a little bit of makeup you might have to shave off your beard but you know or in in the case of a woman a bit of padding uh, a binder in the case of a woman but a lot of the presentational differences are merely what do you call it when you put makeup on starts with a c uh cosmetic then cosmetic high heels short skirts bras are all very feminine makeup very feminine, according to society. But if you take those away and you take the average woman and the average man, in terms of overall body shape, there's a little bit of difference. Men are 15% larger. There's not that much difference between the two sexes. 
And so it's very easy then to step from one to the other in terms of gender, how you present to the world. That's gender fluidity. That's one term. So we've got cisgender, transgender, and gender fluidity. I'm going to add another one. So if you've got one, the other, or both, the next logical step is? Neither. Neither. Agender. <laughs> now, we're getting, see, we're getting there. We're getting there. Agender. This one is okay. interesting. This is an interesting one. I get where they're coming from. Uh, and it is because of the way that it's been built more difficult than the others. But the idea is that cisgender and transgender are built on the basic assumptions of biology. You can be male, you can be female, you can be man, you can be woman, masculine or feminine. You can be both, but being neither is much, much more difficult because you have to take away basic assumptions, right? There are a few examples in pop culture. I think there was one in, uh, what's that movie with the model? Ben still plays a model. He's got the, the look. Do you know that movie? Anyway, there's a Benedict Cumberbatch plays all as a model. Are you a man or a woman? All is all a caricature. But I think agendered is the best way to describe that character. If you look at someone and cannot immediately distinguish which gender they are, there's high possibility that they are presenting as an agendered person. So the other term that I've heard is gen gender neutral is a good way to put it. Gender neutral, because it, it, agender means without gender. Mm. Gender neutral means not swinging wildly either direction. So at this point, they do mean different things. They do mean different things. But in terms of how it affects other people, there's very little difference. So that's the kind of concept. The agender is no gender neutral is you're not swinging wildly between one or the other. You're just a person. Gender is not hugely so important. To be agender, you'd have to let go of everything that you learned as you, about behavior as you were being brought up. Agender is a tough one for that reason, because gender involves so many assumptions yeah. about how you act and who you interact with and how you dress and how you order your day and what you like and what you don't like. Being agender, I think, is theoretically where we're going as a species because gender is just a matter of assumptions, assumptions about how you can act and how you can present and how people interact with you and all those kinds of things. But as we move further and further away from you must do this, you must do that in order to be accepted in a hostile world, you need to act this way, being agender is the logical next step. When everyone's agender, you treat everyone as an individual. Is that where the he, him, they, that come from? Good question. The pronouns now come into it. So she, her, it used to be she, her, hers, because you've got like the subject, the object, and the, the possessive. So you'd have she, her, hers, he, him, his, that kind of thing. It, it got shortened to he, him, she, her. Those are the pronouns that they want you to use. It's a shortcut. Basically, a person who presents as female, whether they're transgender or cisgender, if they present as a female, will be see her. A person who presents as a man is he, him. Nice and easy. You can't get they. They is also very handy. It tells you that they are somewhere in between. They can be gender fluid. They can be gender neutral. They can be agender. They're the smaller categories because we're getting smaller and smaller into proportions of the population. Cisgender is by far the largest. Then you've got transgender. And then you've got somewhere in between. And then you've got 
none of them. We're getting smaller and smaller here in terms of proportion of the population. So when you see an email and it says by Mad Lord Fop, and at the bottom it says he, they, it means that they want to be spoken to using the pronouns either he or they. But it also means by inference that they identify mainly as either masculine or some combination of gender. So it's rarely feminine. You get that. So whatever they are, it's not feminine. It's, it could be masculine or it could be gender neutral or it could be agender, but it's never feminine. Does that make sense? I feel like I've lost you here. Yeah. Why is it never feminine? Because she is not on that list. So for oh. instance, if you came across a person and then they had he, they, she, that's ultimate gender fluid. For instance, like if, you're, if we're having a collection of baseball cards here, that's the rare card. That's the one you want. Ultimate gender fluid. That is all of the pronouns that they like to be spoken to using. Some people, for instance, can update their emails to say, this is what I want to be used. Like at the bottom, it can change from he, him to she, her, depending on how they think. I haven't personally come across anyone who could do that, but it's a theoretical possibility. Yeah, you see, it, also into this argument comes the uh, sex discrimination because I've always, for a long time, I've felt that having Miss or Mrs. is, y- y- there isn't a Mr. and a married Mr. That's just so outdated. But then so is the, if I tell everybody she, her, then I'm going to be treated in a particular way. And what comes in mind, I was thinking about this the other day, I don't know. I worked, for those of you who don't know, I worked on a building site for five years in the UK after I graduated from university with a construction degree. And for the most part, I had a fabulous time. But there was this one time where this old guy phoned up and the secretary, he wanted to talk to a surveyor. So the secretary put him through to me because I was the site surveyor. And he very politely said, oh, hello, darling. I think the secretary made a mistake. She's put me through to another secretary. Can you put me through to somebody who knows what they're talking about, please? So I put him on hold and then picked up the phone again. I said, hello, how can I help you? And he said, oh, dear, it's me again. I really want to talk to somebody who knows what they're doing here. I said, okay, hang on a minute. I'll put you through, put the phone down, and then waited 10 seconds and picked it up again. I couldn't resist it, bit mean, couldn't resist it. But that kind of experience, and I did rip into him in the end because he got on my nerves because he just wasn't getting the, he just wasn't getting the point. That experience is totally, like in this day and age, really shouldn't happen. And it still does happen a lot. You get treated because of your gender. You get treated in a particular way because of your gender. And... Mm. Another good example, Robbie Williams wrote a song for his daughter called Go Gentle. The song for his, that he wrote for his son, it's called Mother. Mother what? Mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not doing it. So <laughs> you can see that difference just in that. Go gentle and, yeah, don't go gentle, go all out. <laughs> In a perfect world, the concept of the pronouns would mean that if you wanted to be treated as a woman, you could put she, her. If you, if you wanted those assumptions. If you wanted to be treated as a man, you put he, him. But if you didn't want either, you could put they, them. 
people would uh, treat you without kind of assumption. In reality, the person putting they, them down is marking themselves as alternative. It's not what we want, yes. but that is unfortunately the reality of it. So I, am, I agree. The sexism in society is huge. And I do believe that a lot of this gender discussion comes about because, sorry, ladies, feminism didn't do what we wanted it to do. That didn't. And I think the more we look on what was happening, the more we realize as a society that the basic assumptions of what we wanted to achieve using a system that was already broke was never going to work. Because in order to kind of be equal, you need to get rid of previous concepts. Instead of trying to equalize the two genders, you needed to not make that the basic assumption. And I'm not saying that I'm not a feminist because I absolutely am. But the reality is we didn't achieve what we wanted to achieve. No. So I agree. If a woman wants to be taken seriously, <laughs> how much more seriously, ladies, do you think that you would be taken if you signed your emails as he, him? I have seen so many articles written by people in professional situations where they have said, for this week, I accidentally signed off as a man for the entire time. And things were so much easier. JK Rowling. They used JK instead of Joanne because they thought she'd sell more books that way. In books, it's very, there's a whole thing because if you want to write children's books, people are more likely to read some ones written by women. If you want to read harder science fiction fantasy, it's got to be written by a man, so on and so forth. Romances by women, mysteries by men. There are exceptions to this rule, but the assumptions are laid bare there. So I think. That's what we want as a society to get rid of. And this gender fluid concept, the more genders you put in, the less power any one gender has. That's a really good point. That is a really good point because it undermines the whole basis of that power, doesn't it? It does. Okay, take me as a man. I am a cisgendered man. I made a joke before about how easy that has made my life. I am a nice, white, middle-class, suburbanite boy. Everyone loves me. I am non-threat-shaped because not only do I get the access to all of the very many benefits of being a white man, but I'm also a nice white man. People like me. I'm charming. I'm nice. I'm not big enough to be a threat. I'm not aggressive. I'm just nice. So I have a lot of sway socially at a given party People will statistically listen to me much more than they listen to, some, to other people. And you can see that in white men. All of us know an elderly uncle or a dad or a granddad who will just wax lyrical at any given dinner party. They enjoy it hugely. If a woman did that, it would not go well. Wouldn't, would it? I hadn't even thought about that. No. And yet women are the ones that talk a lot as a gender, apparently. Although a number of Australian studies, in fact, have disproven a lot of the assumptions that women are worse drivers, that women talk more than men, all those things. A lot of them are not only incorrect because of the morals of the situation, they're also factually incorrect. Men are worse drivers, fun fact. Ask <laughs> any police surprise. officer. <laughs> surprise to no one. But So I'm very easy. 
However, like being a masculine, being a masculine man also has its downsides. You know, you're not allowed to talk about your feelings. You're not allowed emotional intimacy. You're not allowed to express emotions that aren't. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends, please. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving with some great ideas that can make a difference in your everyday life. Until next time.